What's up, you all? Welcome back to another episode of Capturing Self. Welcome to our inner healing series. This series, we have a couple different people that took the opportunity to, to share their stories with us about how they overcame their own life and own situations. And so today I have a wonderful guest that currently lives in North Carolina. Um, I have Shaharison here with us today, here to share her story. Welcome, Shahara. How are you? I'm great. Can't complain. I appreciate and honored for you to have me. Awesome. Before we jump into our questions and really get, you know, to your story, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you? Sure. Um, I am a mom. I am a wife. I am a serial um, entrepreneur. I have a foundation called SCARS, Survivors Connecting and Restoring Self. We assist those that are transitioning from trauma to triumph with domestic violence and sexual assault. Um, I also am a certified credit repair specialist. I own my own credit business as well as tax preparation. I have a credit academy, so I teach others how to actually start their own credit repair business. And my newest uh, venture or business is a wreck and release, which is Fayetteville's first and only rage room. Um, it's an alternative way to relieve stress. So people come for therapeutic or recreational purposes to tear some things up and um, get some blow some steam off. To start off, you talked about a business that you have ca called Scars. Yes. Can you tell us more about that business and where it came from? So Scars was birthed from my own personal trauma. Uh, I am a three-time sexual assault survivor and a fourth-generation domestic violence survivor. Um, Scars was something that came along through my healing journey. I had started around 2013 speaking briefly on social media about domestic violence and sexual assault. Um, I was very passionate about it, but I hadn't really gone in detail about what had happened to me. Um, those that were around me or close to me knew that I had been um, molested at the age of four by a um, family member. And then I was actually raped on campus of North Carolina Central University my freshman year in 2005, which I told no one about. Um, and then also I was about 25 in a domestic violence situation, which was also um, sexual abuse there as well. And um, throughout that time, basically knowing my family history and a lot of things that were, especially in the African-American community, a lot of times we don't talk about uh, those issues, uh, those family secrets or problems. And for me, having a daughter and two sons, I felt like it was my duty um, like they say, when you know better, you do better. And um, my parents did the best that they could with what they had available and what they knew at that time. Um, my healing journey started a lot later because I was not one that was educated or encouraged when it came to mental health. Um, when I was younger, I was told, you know, when I would have episodes about seeing the same cousin that molested me, you know, that I was acting crazy or, you know, I was acting up or when I was running away or displaying a lot of... Um, displaying in a manner as a teenager that was very sexual, where um, I was a lot advanced, very advanced for my age, um, sexually doing a lot of things I should not have been doing. Um, 
I was told or made to feel like something was wrong with me. When in fact, you know, I needed someone at that time to say, hey, this is what happens, you know, when a child goes through trauma. So for me, I wanted to be an advocate that I didn't have. Um, I wanted to be an out of the box advocate where people can come and, you know, this is a no a judge free zone, you know, and understand that things don't just happen just because. Um, and then for the fact that being able to be a voice for those that feel like they're voiceless. Um, for quite a long time, I felt like I didn't know who I, I did, really didn't know who I was, not even felt that I didn't know who I was, what my purpose was, what my reason for even being on earth. I've attempted uh, suicide three times. I've contemplated suicide more times than I can imagine. And for me, it was more so being that outlet. You know, if I can save, help, you know, someone, at least one person throughout my lifetime to be able to overcome what it is that they went through, then I've done my job. Wow. Wow. That was, that was a lot. So with you going through some of those things, especially when it dealing with family, mm -hmm. how hard was that to really come out and have that conversation? Because I know we come from a time where people say what happened in this house stays in this house hey. and you know, it can be very touchy. How did you get to the point where you was like, you know, enough is enough. It, it you know, it's time for me to speak up. What I've noticed is with this, with our generation, um, we are, um, we're rule breakers, um, as I call it, and we are breaking generational curses. And I felt like this was something that has gone on generation after generation. No one is prepared. No one's having the conversation. No one's educating our girls on, you know, we hear the whole how a man should do for you financially, you know, what a man should do for you when it comes to your home. But no one teaches the girls in regards to what love really is. You know, a lot of, sad to say, um, you know, a lot of people say when they look at older people that their goals um, and what they fail to realize is a lot of these older individuals really had some things that were going on that we don't want to be honest about. Um, you know, uh, grandpa had a whole family on the other side of town. That's why you had an aunt with two different mothers or, you know, grandma was financially being abused because she wasn't allowed to have her own money. She wasn't allowed to work. She had to stay barefoot and pregnant. And there's so many things that were passed down and that we taught and were looked at as normal. And that's not. So for me, I wanted my children to have different. I wanted them to have a different type of experience. I wanted my children to be able to know that this is not okay. You know, someone touching you in any type of way that you don't feel appropriate is not okay. I don't force my children now to hug anybody. Um, you're not sitting on anyone's lap. I'm not forcing them to hug. What it, it could be their own grandmother. My children have a right to their own body and say so in regards to their body. So even a simple hug or forcing them to hug is not something I do because I realize we have to reprogram what we've been taught. Some people look at that as disrespect for a child not to hug them, but if a child doesn't feel comfortable hugging you, they shouldn't have to hug you. Um, and that was something, small things like that is what I started working on with my children to be able to give them a right to their, to their self, a right to their body, their temple, and to say no, because we as teachers, how can we tell a child, oh, if somebody touches you, you know, or violate your space, you know, you tell me, but then we force them to hug a family member. And who's to say, we don't know if that's the same family member that may have violated them. Um, so for me, it was being able to break that, break that mold and that curse over the family. It's not to say that it will never happen again, but I feel like my children will be more aware 
um, and more conscious of a situation and more aware of their surroundings when they're in situations. Wow. Yeah. And it, it's something that you said that one thing in particular um, that you said that I loved and you said about being a rule breaker. And that is, I feel like that is currently the new generation we're in because, and I think it's necessary because I often, you know, when I speak via Facebook or I make videos, I feel like this is breakthrough season. And in yeah. order to do that, we have to break some chains away from, you know, what we thought was normal, what other people say is normal. You know, yeah. whether it, it takes us speaking up for somebody else and pulling people out of that darkness. And then the other thing that I want you to speak on more is because how do you set that balance? Because I know you saying, you know, you're teaching your kids this, you know, certain actions are not okay. And that's the same way with me. Like the hugging, sitting on a laps, like that's a no-go. Uh, family, friend, right, whatever, you know. But how do you keep that balance where you're not like on edge because of the things that you have went through without us, you know, you don't, without pushing that onto your kids? So what I had to learn is that it's nothing wrong with awareness, but what comes with it is that you have to be on your own healing journey. Um, for me, I have a group sessions that I do with survivors. I have my own, I have two different mental health professionals that I assist with. Um, one is a, well, one is a life coach, but she is also a certified. And then one is actually my mental health therapist. Um, and the reason being is because you have to have, you have to have balance inside of yourself in order to not portray fear. Now, a lot of people feel like you know, letting your kids know what they feel like there's an age limit that kids should know. First of all, these kids are experiencing trauma at a very early age. So there's never a non-appropriate time to have a conversation with children in regards to their body, their sex, what it is that they have, the real names of what they have. Um, I've dealt with uh, children that were um, in a situation where they were molested and when they were describing to the adults what was going on because nicknames were used and the child didn't know what her anatomy was mm -hmm. um they didn't understand what was being told you know and for that even when my children were younger this is what you have this is what it's called you know it's not bad to call something of medically what it is we over sexualize and make things worse than what they are um a child knowing exactly anatomy you know in in the anatomy sense what they have is nothing wrong with that, you know, um, when you're speaking to them. I also tell them, like, you know, when you're out somewhere because everyone is not as open as we are when it comes in the home, you know, there are other words for it, but this is what it's called. Therefore, they know, you know, okay, when we're in public, this is the, this is the convo we may be using, but, you know, I know what this is. This is what it's called. And, um, you know, what people should and shouldn't be doing, your space, you know, after a certain age, I didn't bathe them, you know, I would monitor and then I stepped out completely, you know, and had to teach them and, you know, go behind the, hey, you know, you smell a little musk here, you know, go back in the bathroom, handle right. yourself. And it's because if they don't feel comfortable, you don't force that on them. And that was my biggest thing of it. So making sure that with that balance, that me being secure in myself and knowing who I am now on this journey and being on my own healing journey, I was able to not force fear on my children, but more so awareness and correct them in certain things where if they might've thought, you know, this was okay because this person, parents allowed them to do it and explain it. And it's hard, you know, especially I have teenagers. I have a 14 and 13 year old. Well, well, my oldest is 17 now, um, 14, 13 and eight. 
and you know trying to explain to them why you're not comfortable with them just up and staying at someone's house without speaking to their parents and know who's living there and things of that nature I had to really break down to them the reason why you know and in order to do that and for them to understand it in some sense I had to tell my story can't nobody tell your story like you can and for me your children need to know they shouldn't find out from anybody else and it shouldn't be a secret for them to know what your truth is so explaining to them why mommy is cautious the way that she is, why mommy doesn't allow you to just up and go with people without knowing who it is, why you can't spend the night at everyone's home. They understand a little more in regards to it of why I am cautious the way that I am. Will they ever really get it? Not until they're older, but me explaining and telling my truth and the basis behind why I feel the way I feel helps them to understand that mommy's not just crazy and she's just being mean and doesn't want me to you know go such and such so right and and it's it's good too because a lot of people they hear no 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 and no reason behind it and sometimes that leaves openness for them to try to figure out and guess and all that i also want to go more into how you you went through your phase with domestic violence um, in your relationship and you spoke on how you were raped when you were in college. Did you, with going through all these different traumas and things in your life, at one, did you blame other people? Did you start blaming yourself? How did you feel during these phases of your life? Um, I blamed my parents for a very long time. Um, my relationship with my parents were not, was kind of null and void. We were kind of roommates after a certain point in time, um, even in my high school years, because to me, I couldn't fathom, you know, something happening to my child and not pressing charges and not, you know, going to jail. Um, Cause at this point, that's, that's what I'm willing to do. And it came to a point on my healing journey of realizing my parents had their own trauma. Um, they had their own childhood traumas. And so dealing, how could they deal with me when they hadn't dealt with their own. Uh Um, So it came to a point of understanding um, and forgiving. I had to forgive them. I had to forgive myself for blaming myself for being in a domestic violence situation. Um, I blamed myself when, even when I was raped on campus, it was like three o'clock in the morning, going to the bathroom in an all girls dorm. And, you know, going to the bathroom like I would normally do, I have the right to do, and being pulled in the stall and raped. And my thing was, well, you should have stayed asleep or, you know, you should have yelled or you should have said something, you should have told somebody, maybe you wouldn't have been battling. And I had to actually leave off of campus because I didn't understand at the time that I was having panic attacks. Um, I had never seen my rapist's face. The only thing I seen was his hands. So every time a male would speak, my body would shut down or I would instantly tone in to see if that was the voice that I remembered from that morning. So for me, it was a lot of trauma on campus. Um, I tried to even do online, but just the thought of the campus itself and school, I couldn't focus. It was so much going on with me mentally. I had to leave um, and ended up, you know, being kicked out of school in 20, uh, in 2007. Um, I was what, 21, 22 at the time oh, wow. with two children under the age of two and trying to go to school full time with all of the trauma still unhealed in, you know, unlearned trauma that was going on um, throughout my life. So for me, <laughs> it was once I got on that journey um, and actually did go to see a therapist and because I wanted to live, I wanted to live for my kids, though mentally my mind was telling me you know, the best option was to no longer be here. My children were my saving grace. You know, I tell everybody I was given my children at the time I was given them for a reason. 
um, because they saved me. They don't even understand the the plight of how they've changed my life. And that is the reason I go hard for them and do everything that I can to make sure that I'm here and fight like no, you know, like I can um, every day because it's, it's still a battle. People say, you know, this this healing process is for life. It's not something that you just wake up from and just because you go into therapy, that's it. Because I've had triggers that I didn't know. I've had things that trigger me, a trauma that triggered me that I didn't even know triggered me <laughs> until it happened. So, you know, for me, it's a lifelong journey. And I just, you know, I decided to take my kids and my husband along with it and, you know, to be open and, and honest and share with the world, even when I'm criticized about sharing um, what this looks like, put a face to what this looks like. Wow. So on, on both of those comments, you, you, you said you're married now and, um, and telling you, people are criticizing you about your story. So first I want to ask, how do you get to a point to love a, another person, another man and get married after experiencing what you have experienced and then being able to tell your story regardless of what people think of you? So I was, Prior to being in my uh, domestic violence situation, because I was actually in the domestic violence situation in high school, didn't even know. Um, it was more so emotional and uh, verbal. He would, you know, like threaten to kill himself if we broke up and he would stalk my house. He would pop up at my home. Um, you know, I had to be where I needed to be. He would call me 10,000 times till I got home. So it was certain situations I didn't even realize till I was on my healing journey that, oh my God, you you were in a team day. <laughs> You were in a situation and, you know, didn't even know. The crazy part was um, when I got into my domestic violence situation as an adult, um, I technically was married um, with my children's father. I have three children um, by the uh, father of my children, my ex-husband. Um, I had left the relationship. Um, there was never like any abuse on that end in regards to like physically um, or anything of the above, but it was just to the point where I felt like I wanted more out of the relationship. And I felt like I wasn't getting it. And I felt like, you know, I'm still young, you know, I got two small kids. I could, you know, I can make it and figure it out. And then life hit me that, okay, this is a little harder than what you thought it was going to be. Um, and during that time is when I met my abuser and, you know, I was going through, I was still suffering from postpartum. And that, that was a, a big thing with me leaving as well. Um, and when I met him, you know, he kind of swept me off my feet, you know, was helping pay my kids daycare, made it seem like, you know, everything was, was good. You know, he called me beautiful. At that time, I had a low self-esteem and it became a point where he swindled his way in, said all the right things, did all the right things. And once he met my kids about what, five to six months later, is when everything really came about like, okay, so this is not who he says that he is. Mm -hmm. And by that time, I felt like I didn't want to introduce my kids to another man, you know what I mean? And, you know, I didn't want to be labeled as anything. So, you know, I stayed with the whole, first it was, you know, um, making me change my hair and making me change, you know, the way I talked. And he said I was too loud. He was from North Carolina. So, you know, I was too loud. It was like the control had started mentally before anything physical ever happened. Um, and July of 2011, I found myself at the end of a gun, um, to where he pulled the trigger, but the gun jammed. Yeah. And what saved me that day as well was his grandfather was actually dying in the hospital. Yeah. And, um, 
the phone kept ringing because his family was trying to contact him for, you know, the United call all the family to come down and, you know, say they peace before they take the person off the ventilator. And um, when his grandmother kept calling, he eventually was like, just get out and threw my stuff out. You know, by this time my lip is bust, my phone is broke. And, you know, I'm knocking on doors to try to, you know, I'm hiding still because I don't know when he comes back out. Like, did he fix the gun or what, you know, if he really left or he wanted to play cat and mouse and chase me and kill me. So I'm like knocking on doors, trying to get someone to answer the, you know, answer the door and let me uh, make a phone call to try to have one of my brothers come get me. And um, I said, if I ever made it out of that situation, that I would never return again. Now, not being on my healing journey during that time and feeling at my lowest, I returned back to my children's father. Um, a broken, even broke, uh, I was broken even more. Um, but I returned back to my children's father because I knew regardless if we were not supposed to be together or not, um, because he wasn't what I wanted either. At that moment, I knew I was secure. He was my safety net. I knew he would never, you know, one thing I, I didn't have to worry about is him ever putting his hands on me. You know, we, we could fight like cat and dog in regards to verbally, but he, I never, you know, ever got an inkling that he would ever put his hands on me. So for me, it was go back to what you know. At least if you're in a situation or it's madness or something happens, your kids are with their father. You know, you're with your, your kid's father versus taking it from somebody random off the street. So I went back. I had my third son and I hit 30. Well, I was getting ready to hit 30. Um, I was diagnosed with um, endometriosis and adenomyosis. And I was passing out at work. A lot of stuff was going on with me medically now. So now I'm dealing with mental issues. I'm dealing with physical issues. And, you know, that's causing issues financially because I can't go to work. Um, you know, I'm passing out at work, so I got to be sent home. And it was just so much going on that approaching my 30th birthday, I was like, is this really the life that you want to live? You know, that was for me, going through all of that before my 30th birthday was a sign that something had to give. And my grandmother and my godmother are no longer here, but they visit me a lot. Um, you know, in their own ways. And it was to a point we had a whole conversation. I had to have surgery January of 2016. And by then I had left my kid's father again for good. Um, moved out, left everything behind, got my own place, ended up getting a new vehicle. And it was like, I was still struggling with the back and forth of leaving my kid's father. You know, now you got three kids. Who's going to date you with three kids, you know? And with your troubles you got going on and now your body is breaking down and you can't have any other children and it was it was a mental thing for me and I left I, I stayed the course you know I decided to date myself I got to know Shahara because since Shahara had been you know 18 19 years old Shahara became someone's mom so Shahara went from girlfriend to mom to mom of two to wife to now mom of three Shahara never really got to know Shahara in her adult life so I started dating myself, uh, taking myself out, going to the movies, going to therapy, joining support groups. I started really speaking out about, you know, the trauma that I had went through on the sexual and um, physical trauma, mental trauma, um, shared suicide stories. And it became a thing where uh, June of that same year, my husband had been following me for about a month or so on social media, on Instagram. And because um, I had a business at that time, I was selling like a detox tea and I was advertising on this uh, Fayetteville page for Instagram. And he seen my picture. He started following me. We would gauge in conversation here and there, but nothing crazy. And um, he decided to shoot his shot. <laughs>
And um, so, yeah, six months after leaving my first husband, I ended up meeting my current husband. And uh, we've been together now going on four years, married three. And um, the blessing is my husband is, is a, a sexual assault survivor as well. So um, that shared trauma of being able to talk to someone about things that we have been holding in for so long, um, helping on this journey of us helping each other and getting through this together and understand that every day is not going to be perfect. But as long as we, you know, work towards that goal, that's all that matters. Awesome how that worked out where you got partnered with someone that can relate to some of the things that you were going through and y'all can work through those things together. Um, so did that make it more comfortable for you to really go out and tell your story more and really use your gifts? Yes, um, because my husband is very supportive in regards to if he needs to hold the household down, um, especially during that time. Like when I say that time, I needed him the most. He was definitely there. Um, whether it was a speaking engagement, he's the one that actually like pushed me to start SCARS. I was already doing advocacy work prior to SCARS being founded, but you know, I had had the name, thought about it, but I was like, you know, little old me with a nonprofit, what am I gonna do? You know, what, what can I do? Not realizing I was already doing it, you know, from sharing my story prior to on social media, there were people contacting me. And though I didn't have the resources at the time, because I have such a big network, I was able to connect them with the resources. And then it became a part where stop being the middle person and cut out the middle person and be that resource. So then it became, I founded SCARS in 2007, uh, 2017. And um, from there, you know, I've helped, I, I can't even count at this point, the number of men, women, and children through the organization, whether it was with a, uh, a love package and with that love package, which normally is, is like, toiletries, um, a gift card to Walmart, a food lion, buying food. We've paid deposits on, you know, to help to pay deposits when it came to homes, uh, help families relocate, gave them a cell phone, clothing, uh, connected them with job resources. Whatever it is that I had available to do is what um, SCARS has provided. Um, some throughout my own pocket and that was fine. Others through the lovely donations of organizations that seen something in me and my organization to bless us on a monthly basis or yearly basis to be able to help fight and eradicate domestic violence and sexual assault. So um, my husband held down the fort a lot because it allowed me to travel. Um, it allowed me to do speaking engagements where, you know, sometimes I could take my kids, sometimes I couldn't. He would be right there by my side a lot of times in the engagements, making sure that I had a familiar face. So I was comfortable to speak and to let me know that, you know, he was ready to go to war with anybody. You know, if somebody from my family had an issue with what I share, he'd be like, they just block him and keep it moving because this journey is yours. Can't nobody you know, stop your experience or stop you from talking about what you experienced because this is your experience. This is your trauma for you to share. And through that, you know, it was crazy because I knew a little bit of his story when we first started talking, but through me, um, through him helping me, it helped him to start actually speaking his truth, which was a blessing because he hadn't spoke about this in over almost what, close to 25 years um, of his, you know, situation. And, you know, it was crazy. He was on a panel with me and we were talking about, it was during Sexual Assault Awareness Month. And um, a good friend of mine, uh, Sharika Dunstan, she went to Central with me. She had a panel talking about um, survivors of sexual assault and their partners and how they support them. And he was there strictly to speak as a husband in support of, you know, his wife and, you know, how we go on and with our marriage and our relationship 
with that and he ended up sharing his his own testimony about it and that shocked me because it let me know that fueled the fire in me even more to let me know to keep going because though he doesn't say a lot he's he's a man of few words um didn't mean that it wasn't helping him in his own way to deal with his own trauma healing um uh, with healing because you said you went through counseling and all that how important is it to you to heal first before you get to the point where you're going to share your story with other people and the reason why i ask that is because i see people down my timeline and i know that their statuses are coming from a place of hurt how important is it to you to go through that process of getting to you know help with the counselors and then first then telling your story so I did both. Um, even when I go back, like Facebook is so funny because you know that on this day and you know how that pops up and then you see kind of what you posted 2008, seven, six. And I look and I'm like, ooh, you were hurt. Um, for me, I don't feel like it's, it's, it's not my place to tell them not to share. Though, though, you know, hurt people hurt people. And the reason being is sometimes they need to let that out. And for me at that time, though I look back now, like, ooh, I wish, you know, somebody would have, you know, got to me sooner, you know, to say, hey, I, I don't know if I'd have listened at that time. But, you know, to look back and see how hurt I was. And for me, it was a lot of times I look at it like a cry for help. You know, sometimes people can't call the hotlines, you know, sometimes they want those that are closest to them to come and help them, you know, to just sit by them or to be an ear and they may not feel like they have that. And that was me. You know, I felt like no, even if I told my friends, you wouldn't understand because you didn't go through it. So, you know, how do, how do I sit here and talk to you? You can't tell me, okay, you understand. That's like a mother talking to a woman that's never had children and you're telling me you understand how I feel. How? You know, you know, if you've never birthed kids or raised them, you know, it, it's a different thing. You see what I'm saying? And it's not to say you're not a mother if you you don't physically birth a child, but it's a different type of experience when I've given birth. You can't tell me about your birthing plan and I've physically pushed the child out. You know what I mean? So for me, it was like, can you, can they really help me? You know, or what are they gonna say? Are they gonna tell me get over it? Like I've been told you know, in regards to it. So for me, it was, I look back now and it was a cry for help or wanting people to understand or see me because mm -hmm. I felt like I have a strong exterior. And, and, you know, I tell people all the time, check on your strong friends, just because we strong and you see that we went through a lot. Don't mean that we don't have days. Okay. Um, but I look at it like, I wish that people would have taken me serious. Mm -hmm because those were days that I really felt like taking my own life. And I didn't have too many that I could really turn to that could understand my plight. And so I always tell people, you know, even when I see stuff like that on my timeline, cause I do as well, some of them, and it's sad because I hate when some pe when people use our traumas as attention seeking, mm -hmm. cause it's a difference. Someone that's hurting, from the trauma and someone that's just seeking attention is two different things. And sometimes you can't tell the difference. Mm -hmm. So what I normally do is if I see it, I'll comment, hey, queen, listen, or hey, king, listen. You know, um, when you ready, I have, you know, some people that you can talk to. Or if you need to call and just talk to me, I put my number in your inbox, you know, do, do what you may with that.
and I leave it there. I leave the ball in their court to be able to reach out if that's what they choose to. I leave the ball in their court to look at possibly getting the help. Sometimes people are so hurt, they don't even know what help look like. And that was me too. You know, I had, I did have, you know, two close friends that they felt something was going on when I was in my DV situation, but they kind of didn't know how to approach me because they didn't know if that was going to push me away from them. And they wanted to be as close as possible and still be able to keep an eye versus me shutting them completely out. So it, it, it hurts those that are surrounding you as well. That's why I tell people, you know, domestic violence hurts everybody. It doesn't just hurt the victim. It hurts the families, you know, the families of the abuser. Um, a lot of times the abusers were victims um, themselves. And this is how they display, you know, what they know or what they were taught. So it, to me, I just, I leave kind words and I leave a resource. You know, sometimes I may not leave all of that underneath their thing. I say, hey, you know, check your inbox. I've been there too. You know, if you ever need to talk, check your inbox. I left you some information. And I leave it at that because I don't know mentally where they are in their journey. And I don't want to push them away. I want to, you know, be, be there enough, but also give them the resources available. And a lot of times I've seen where I've spoken out and people that I've seen have those, you know, episodes or moments on social media come back and they like, I deleted it. You know, I, I really need to get help. I don't know where to start. You know, I've tried therapy and I tell them, well, have you tried a trauma focused therapist? Cause it's a difference. You know, me going to somebody that specialized in what I have been through, you know, um, a regular therapist is, is cool to have, but for me and my journey, a trauma focused therapist is what I needed. Um, and I tell people, you know, try support groups, get around you, you know, your family may not understand what you're going through because you've been raped or you've been molested or you've been in a domestic violence situation. They may not have experienced that. So, but there are support groups of other men and women that have that can hold you up and lift you up and, you know, call you when they're struggling and y'all are struggling and y'all are going through it together and taking that journey. And um, I call them battle buddies, you know, same way military has battle, but we got battle buddies because we got wounds, you know, no different. And, you know, sometimes it's good to have a battle buddy because you can call them and y'all can cry together because both y'all know what it feel like to be in that dark space and be able to kind of come out of it together, pray for each other, meditate, go on a trip, whatever, you know, just give them a hug. I've, I've had a battle buddy where we, we met up and we got a hotel room and we both just cried. We had to let it out, you know, then we went to go eat and it was like, okay, you know, see you in a month. And it was just kind of that release. So, it, I mean, everything is, it's different things for different people. Sometimes you got to try everything to figure out what your thing is on your healing journey. That, 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 that was some good tips there because I know I see, and I'm, you know, some people I reach out to, if it, like, if it tugs on my heart, you know, you know, trying to give them some positivity in that dark time, you know, and then there's other people that, like you said, it's kind of hard. You don't know where they are. And so that helps me to understand that everybody may not be in a season that I'm in, you know? So what I want to say to you, you have, you are pushing, pushing, pushing through all these things. I don't know if people know, but you said that you dropped out of college, but you went back and you finished college. You started a business called Scars for people that have been through what you've been through. You started a business um, to help people with their credit. You started a business, uh, the rec business um, that you just started for people to kind of express those emotions, just get it out physically. You have pushed through so many things. And I want you, before you get off of here, can you share, you have shared so much with us, but for people out there, because I, I push this push queen push, that's what I'm pushing right now. And um, having a 30 day workshop or course for women, 
having trouble pushing through and going to their next phases in life because of their past, what are some things that you can tell them to help them push through that transition? Because some people hearing it from me, you know, they may not know my story or, you know, my story may not connect with them. What would you tell them to encourage them? So my motto has always been, um, especially for scars, is it's okay to not be okay. It's not okay to stay that way. Um, I have, that's been my affirmation. That's been something that I look at every day um, on my phone. I'm actually getting it tatted on my arm. Um, that really has kept me along the way. Um, pushing requires you knowing what you want. I, I literally wrote down a plan my 30-day plan, my six-month plan, my year plan. One, I wanted to make sure that I still wanted to live and what I had to live for. And when I wrote down all of the negative things that happened, but all of the positive things that there was as well, the good still outweighed the bad. And for me, wanting to live, not just for my kids, but for myself, um, because I knew there was so much that I could do, but I was in my own way. So sometimes we have to push past ourselves. Sometimes it's not society. Sometimes it's not our trauma. Sometimes it's not our past relationships. It's pushing past ourselves. Only you can limit yourself. Regardless of what has went on, regardless of what trauma you've experienced, it is up to you to take your life back and get situated with. <laughs> Well, thank you again, Shahara, for sharing your story with us and really unpacking all the things that you have went through. Um, and I congratulate you and commend you on the job that you're doing. And I hope much success for your businesses. And for those of you who are watching, um, if you didn't get anything for this episode, I just want you to take away that you are a queen and you deserve greatness for yourself. But it starts with you. Mm -hmm. And in order for you to push through your own life and figure out what it is that you need, what it is that you want for yourself and make it happen. So until next time, you all know your life, own your life and control your life, because at the end of the day, it's your story. You guys have a great week.